Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Blast. Their microphones are rebooting as we speak. Can you talk, talk, talk? Hello, hello? No, no. Well, Sarah. <laughs> Let's, uh... Hmm, what should we do here? This is a very fun thing when you do live radio. I believe Dan Bickley was going to talk about the Phoenix Suns last night. We got a big win against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, revenge against the finals. All is good now. It's we're even. Can you guys talk yet or no? Oh, this is even better than when <laughs> I had to host the show with uh, Kevin Zimmerman on the, the last second. What is going on here? This is I blame this on the weather, the rain. Dan Bickley is laughing hysterically right now, and you can't even hear him. Make sure I turn the right mics on. Yes, I did it, because I've done that before, of course. Well, let's, let's go to break, and I will try to get a engineer here to come fix the situation. Be right back after this. Bickley and Marotta. Bickley and Marotta mornings. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader, Bigley Blast. The Phoenix Suns have a magic number. It's 85, and from day one, I believe that number represents the amount of points they need from their big three every game if they're going to win that elusive championship. Now, they hit that number on the head last night in a win against the Bucks, and best of all, the 85 points they produced last night was all about balance, not fueled by one transcendent performance, and that, folks, is how this basketball team team can win a championship. That is how this basketball team can avoid some of the fourth quarter meltdowns that have been a recurring nightmare. Now, granted, the victory wasn't what it might have been, as the Bucks were missing two of their best players, lost another starter in the first quarter, but beating Giannis is never easy and always an accomplishment, so there's that. Now, the glaring holes in the program have not magically disappeared. The lack of a point guard, the occasional lack of edge, urgency, and energy and a wafer-thin bench, there's still legitimate concerns. And the trade deadline might bring another new piece into the mix, requiring even more assimilation and integration. But the big three have been together now since December 29th, and their availability and sustainability has to be very promising, and each game together has to bring them closer to what will be our final solution, a championship that will be won or lost on a much different kind of triangle offense. All right, today's delayed Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Totally worth waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I feel like we're on remote in a different studio right now. But we're just on the other side of the... I don't know what uh -huh. happened. Let me look to see if uh -huh. they came back yet. Well, I, well, listen, our our, our heads are, are... We are now have our backs uh, turned to Jared, which is good, because I don't want to see that look of horror on his face <laughs> ever again. It's the first time our audience has ever seen the back of Bickley's head. <laughs> oh, yeah. During the right. blast. Right, right. I, I, maybe they yeah. adjusted to right. the camera over there. The good. Did that's... That, oh, well, no. I'm Bick, not on you, Vince. Sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's right. fine. Nobody wants to see this mug. Right. Of all the... Well, of 
all the shows we've done, a lot of shows during all different situations, I think maybe that's happened once ever. Okay, so it's happened. Let's move on. The yeah. Phoenix Suns got what they did, and that time number, for break. Yes. Well, you're right. It is. It's time. <laughs> well, we, we can't played, get into this. We played that break already, though. So okay. Right. So 85 points as a benchmark. Um, and like I said, I think the best thing to me about it last night, Vinny, was the balance. As you said earlier, it was Devin Booker, and then it was KD, then it was Bradley Beal, and it's and, and that to me is what's going to make this team kind of ascend. To, to take some of these last steps that uh-huh. I think they need to get there. Yeah, but you brought up some things too that are that are still concerns, and you know, there's not a magic elixir that's going to happen by winning one game. And and one of the things that's been talked about, especially with this looming trade deadline, it's getting louder and louder. Is this point guard issue? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's probably not going to get fixed. This was a path that the Suns went down in the offseason. They had a point guard on their roster in the offseason after all the movement, and they traded Cameron Payne away to San Antonio for basically nothing of, of use. Yes. He ended up getting bought out, ended up in Milwaukee, ironically made his return last night. And early in the game, it really stood out. The Suns had... You know when they when they broke uh, it, it, for halftime, three assists, team wide, three assists. We talked to Bobby Hurley uh, earlier the, earlier this season. ASU had a game where they had three assists in a game. Mm-hmm. You can expect that in college basketball, <laughs> not in the NBA uh-huh. in the year twenty twenty four. And yep, yep, with yep. the way that Cameron Payne was able to generate some things, you know, he got some extended time because Damian Lillard didn't play. Now, was he great? No, but you know, people are saying the Suns need that backup point guard. He could have played that role. I don't think they're going down that path between now and tomorrow at one o'clock. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't either. This is basically the team that they're going to have from a point guard standpoint. Yes, I am curious to see to to, to bring up the term you mentioned in the blast too. How much assimilation will be needed? Will they be able to make a deal? And this Miles Bridges thing is still looming out there, and the reports, at least lately, are that the Hornets are still holding out for a first-round pick. I'm not even – the Suns don't have one well, to deal. No, I think they it would be irresponsible right now for any team to give up a first-round pick. Yeah, so do I. And I heard Gamble say that that part of the deal from the Miles Bridges camp in, in, in the case of this particular player is the desire to get him to a place where uh, – to a team that might want to sign him long-term. Is there any team ready to commit that to Miles Bridges just yet? So I, I, I don't know if they're going to get what they're looking for either. Do you know what I mean? So – it's going to be interesting. Uh, we're going to talk to Bobby Marks in, in a little bit, and, and Bobby has got the, the, the insider's view of this whole thing about you know trade exceptions and, and different things that are available to the Suns mm-hmm. that will not be available to them once the trade deadline passes on Thursday. So, so they've got some avenues um, and some things that they can exploit if they can find the right pieces, and, and that really remains to be seen, um, in my opinion. And, and then again, you've got to take a look at this team as it is right now. Now and, and and if you look at Bowl Bowl and the contributions he's making and Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon, what what more does this team need? What what is what what really will make a difference? You know, 
I, I do. There are times when I look at this basketball team, and the, and the thing that worries me that that I don't think you saw last night because the Bucks were not only handicapped, but the Bucks are no longer a premier defensive team. No, the lack of a point guard really seems to be exploited when you're playing really good defensive teams. Yes. and and we we saw this with Chris Paul during the playoffs. The amount of backcourt pressure applied to the point guard of the Phoenix Suns the last go around in the playoffs. I can only imagine what it's going to be this time around. Um, with this situation. Well, so to your point on that, it became a big talking point. Go back to the New Orleans series, but late in games, Chris Paul is one of the most accomplished points, point guards that's ever laced up a pair of sneakers in this league. Mm-hmm. And he got hit with that defensive oh, strategy. Yep. And the Suns struggled with it. Yes. Yes. And that was Chris Paul, elite fourth mm-hmm. quarter point guard closer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, the, the further you get into the postseason, when these games have more weight and more gravity, it's going to get yeah. even worse. Yeah. Um, and, and then the other issue is how do the Suns get to playing with the requisite pace they need when when they don't have this definition as a pro- at primary ball handler? It's been an issue because that was the number one reason that a lot of people, myself included, were on board with, with the Chris Paul trade is because uh, for all the good stuff he brings a basketball team, for all the knowledge and the wisdom and experience and calmness and all that, uh, the pace of play was a real issue last year. Mm-hmm. And so the assumption was it wasn't going to be an issue this year. Well, it is. And it has been. And and maybe a lot of that stems from um, guys trying to get comfortable with another with one another, guys trying to be generous with, with the basketball and, and distributing it freely. There could be a lot of reasons for it. But, but they do need to up the tempo at which they play with. I think they did that. I think there was a concerted effort to do that in the second half last night. Yes. And I think you could see it. And when when, when they play like that, it's like, okay, that looks closer to being a real formidable basketball team. Yeah, I totally agree. And a lot of it, uh, you know, a, a lot of the pluses, too, that we've talked about this morning start on the defensive side of the ball. It starts with Kevin Durant, his willingness to take on Giannis. And I thought it was interesting after the game, Kevin Durant said, look, I didn't look at this as some big one-on-one matchup at all. It was about winning the basketball game. I don't know if you saw Giannis on social media after the game. It Mm -hmm. was a still shot of him going one-on-one against Devin Booker and said, I love playing against the best. So he obviously viewed it a different way. And Kevin Durant, who didn't view it as a one-on-one matchup, is the one that's relishing the win right now. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting to me. But but again, I, I think it's it's also what KD has done this year at his age is kind of reconfirmed to a lot of people. I think inside the game that wow, this is this is not normal for a 35 year old big to be playing at the level he's playing. Mm-hmm. And it's a tribute to Kevin Durant. And I, so I, I I think that that's why that's why I still believe that that uh, there was a belief coming in this year and and after the trade for Kevin Durant that Kevin Durant's going to be the guy that helps Devin Booker and Phoenix get to their first championship. I, I've I've flipped that thing on its ear. I look at it now as we are the city that is perfect for Kevin Durant and Devin Booker is the perfect sidekick for Kevin Durant and maybe it's our purpose to get him that redemption to get him that championship that is not going to be oh well you had to go play with Steph Curry to get that. And, and, and if that and if that does happen, it's going to have a dramatic effect on on the word that Katie claims to not care about legacy. Yeah, but I mean to branch that out league wide, what Durant is doing, what LeBron is doing, four years further down the road, and you know I I'll, I'll, I'll get my pokes in at LeBron, 
but we've never seen 39-year-olds do this before in no. the NBA. Steph Curry hitting 60. He's Kevin Durant's age. I mean, something to be said for the old guys. <laughs> Still doing yeah, it at a high level. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And it was uh, there was a, there was a feeling um, maybe earlier this year that this new generation, Shea Gilgis Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, these guys were, were kind of saying, "Mine." It's our time, yeah. And and these guys, you know, probably saying not quite yet. Yeah, it might be another year or two down the road Maybe. before the uh, De'Aaron Foxes and SGAs and Anthony Edwards can make that claim. Like the, this league is mine. I mm-hmm. and I know there's always a tendency that you know uh, uh, you know a lot of people want to see that passing of the mm-hmm. torch because of what we've talked about in football so much that fatigue factor. If we're sick of the Kansas City Chiefs at this point, what's the fatigue factor like on LeBron James? Oh, I've had it for years. You know that. And I know you're exactly the same. I've had it since the, about 08. The other, the other interesting thing, development, um, much to the chagrin of some Suns fans, is the fact that Grayson Allen is not going to be part of the All-Star Games three-point shooting contest. Um, but if if you read about it, you're going to find out that Grayson Allen ha- already has vacation plans with his wife. So I don't think Grayson Allen really wanted to go anyways. Yeah, and I think, I don't know if the NBA would ever admit this, I think they want to rely on the players that are actually headed to the destination city to participate in the All-Star game uh, to fill in those spots. Now, they can't Unless do you're it. in the dunk contest. They can't do it in the dunk contest. Oh, I guess Jalen Brown's going to do it, which is cool. Uh, but with a three-point contest, it's usually the guys that are on All-Star rosters because it's a little less taxing. And I don't, look, I, I, I don't blame him. Yeah. Grayson Allen has had a fantastic mm-hmm. first half of the season. Mm-hmm. He's, he's earned a little bit of time yeah, off. Right. I, I totally agree with that. And, and it didn't sound like it was something that interested him anyway. So it's all good. No. Destination Detroit. Oh, it's time for our Wednesday potential qualifier for Destination Detroit. We are looking for Ron Sealski from Peoria. Ron. You've got 10 minutes to give us a call at 602-260-9870. That'll get you qualified in the drawing for a chance to win a trip for two to the 2024 NFL Draft in Detroit. If Ron does not call within 10 minutes, we'll open up the phone lines to someone else to jump into that spot. If you did not hear your name... Well, maybe you're not qualified. You can still qualify by texting DRAFT to 620-620. Listen for your name at 1220 with Wolf and Luke. Once again, Ron Sielski from Peoria. Ten minutes to give us a call at 602-260-9870. The clock has started on you, Ron Sielski. Coming up next, we will talk NBA trade deadline maneuvers. How involved could the Suns be in the rest of the league? Bobby Marks from ESPN will be our guest straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Murata Mornings, live from the Octane Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader on this Wednesday edition. Tomorrow, 1 o'clock local time is when the expiration of the trade deadline hits in the NBA. Lots of interested eyes to see if the Suns are even capable of doing anything. Here to join us to talk about it, NBA front office insider for ESPN, Bobby Marks, kind enough uh, to spend some time with us this morning. Bobby, good morning. How are you? 
I'm good, guys. How you doing? Good. Uh, there's a lot of people with hand ringing going on in Phoenix right now about this Miles Bridges possibility. Yeah. Uh, I know the latest reporting coming out on this is that the Hornets are trying to hold out for a first round pick. Uh, what do you? How do you size up the Suns? possibilities of making this trade happen knowing that or is any team going to be willing to give up a first round pick in this process for for miles bridges i don't see i don't see any team giving up the first round pick for miles bridges i think based on a lot of varities there um certainly the legal case and it's still pending i mean he's got a court case on february 20th for basically violating the restraining order um yeah, his history, um, you know, from Phoenix's perspective, he'd be a three-month rental. Um, and I think certainly the the PR backlash that you'll get, I mean, if if you're the Suns and you're interested in doing a, a Bridges deal, um, you're going to have to be pretty out front of, in, of this as far as when you welcome him to the organization, as far as what message you want to send to your fans and the people that buy tickets here. So I would say it's, I would say it's highly unlikely a team is going to be willing to give up a, you know, a first-round pick for Miles Bridges. I think um, certainly, you know, multiple seconds or two or three seconds here, um, or maybe Charlotte keeps him here. But um, but yeah, I mean, listen, he's a. You kind of you, you you split it down two ways. There's the basketball part where you get him from a basketball perspective. Yeah, he can definitely help you. But then there's the is it worth is it worth it for you know for the three months that you're you know with, with everything else that comes with it. And and it's also a, a case too where you know they've got enough. It seems they have enough offensive punch and trying to create shots for a guy who wants to shoot the basketball. I, I don't even know if that is the best fit when you look at the Phoenix Suns that have needs at, at, at apparent needs at point guard and rim protector. Your your thoughts on 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 what kind of fit he would be in relation to what they seem to lack. Yeah, they're not lacking offense. No, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I mean, I would if I was Phoenix, I would, you know, I, guys like you know Royce O'Neal would be. I would, I would rather go after Royce O'Neal than than McHale, uh, than Miles Bridges. I mean, that's just that's just for me. And and I think with um, you know with O'Neal, then you can you have you can hurt his bird rights, build the ability to resign him, big wing that can you know defend, make shots here. Um, it will probably won't cost you as much. I mean, you would. You know, you're looking at probably the Nasir Little contract and adding something else, one of the minimum players here. And I think that would be more of the direction I would want to go. And I know that there was the appeal there as far as with a guy that has averaged 20 points. He had 40 the other night here. But he's a he's a low-efficient score as far as from, from shooting from the field. Um, and as I said, he's a three-month rental because you will not have the ability to re-sign him based on, he, you know, he loses his bird rights. Yeah. Bobby Marks, NBA front office insider from ESPN, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. In terms of other names, and, and yeah, we, we're all aware of the restrictions that are against the Suns due to their roster yep. construction, but there are names that are out there. I've seen Simone Fontecchio's name uh, linked to the Suns, Dennis Smith Jr. You mentioned Royce O'Neal. Are you hearing any rumblings on some of these other names in connection with the Suns as ter- in terms of possibilities at this point, Bobby? Yeah, I mean, another guy that you know you're certainly starting to hear more more about is Lonnie Walker, who's in Brooklyn, mm. who's on a minimum contract, who's been really good, um, really good for the Nets, kind of a another, you know, kind of big guard. Um, Fontecchio, certainly we've heard his name because he's 
He's on an expiring. I think it's basically kind of lining up where um, where Phoenix's trade exception is. You know, that six point five million dollar trade exception as far as what they can fit in there, um, you know, along with you know the three or four second round picks they have. But that's you know we've all we it went from you know hey they need a point guard no they don't need a point guard they need kind of a they need a, a big wing that can kind of make shots and. and, and and defend here, and you know, and I know you said you know, you know, with Phoenix being limited, they're not the only ones. I mean, yeah. you, you, we're in this, we're in this like. I feel like I'm a fisherman out to sea right now with the best bait in the world, and I'm just waiting for fish to catch because there's nothing. There's really, it's a slow market, and yeah. you know, when you look at Phoenix and you look at Milwaukee and you look at, I guess, the Clippers or you know, all these teams, Golden State certainly. Everybody's kind of kind of in the same boat, waiting for you know, waiting for the right deal and to to to, to appear here. I think there'll be trades, but it's not going to be the the high level guys that we've you know, we've already seen here. Bobby, you're a great person to talk to this time of year, uh, and you d- you did a great job. I think I heard you on the afternoon show. Just talk about the options that the Suns have and the and the avenues they have to make deals that will not be there for them after yeah. the trade deadline. Could you lay that out for our listeners, please? Yeah, so they've got uh, two trade exceptions, uh, six point five and I think five million dollars. Those be basically become frozen uh, when the offseason starts somewhere, I guess, you know, for some teams in, in, in April here because they will be a second apron team that comes with the restriction. Um, you will not be allowed to uh, you know, use a, a tax mid-level exception. Phoenix did not have that available to, to them um, this past offseason. That, um, that, that goes away. The big thing is, is the, you know, all trades now um, starting in the offseason are dollar for dollar. So you're, the ability to come within 110% goes away. And then for Phoenix, and you know six or seven other teams, um, you can't aggregate contracts. So if you if you want to trade Nurkic and Nasir Little for a you know guy making twenty three million dollars, you're not allowed to combine. Um, you're not allowed to combine salary anymore. That's probably the, the biggest thing for me. You can take back multiple players in a deal, um, but you just can't aggregate. And in the same rules, and we'll see here is that you know guys that are bought out of their contract. That have a you know a pre-existing salary of twelve point four million dollars. Phoenix will not be able to sign them. So, Kyle Lowry became available, or Gordon Hayward, guys like that. Those guys are off 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 the boards there. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, our guest here on Arizona Sports. You described it as a as a slow market because of all the teams that do have these restrictions, uh, and not that we're going to hold you to this, Bobby. Obviously, this is just a lot of gut right now. But you're connected. You're hearing things. Who is maybe the biggest name you expect to be moved before tomorrow? Or is there another team? And I I was waiting last year at the deadline for Toronto to blow it up. They chose to do it this year. Chicago's another team that's been identified. Brooklyn. Are they the most likely teams to blow things up in, in your estimation? I don't. I don't know about blowing up in Brooklyn just because they don't control their first for the next four years. I know they've got this, a bunch of Phoenix first and Dallas first. So I would say, yeah, I don't. I don't see Mikael Bridges being being traded here. But that doesn't mean yeah, they've got a bunch of other guys: Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie, and um, you know, as I mentioned, Roy, Royce O'Neal. I think they're they're going to be active based on where where they are right now. I think. The, the, the hard part in Dort with the trade deadline is, is that there's games being played around, and you're so reactionary to everything that happens here. Like, Chicago for, is a great example. Chicago has a great win last night in Minnesota. They're in the 9-10 area. You know, but at the end of the day, you should be looking for suitors for DeMar DeRozan, who's in the last year of his contract, or Andre Drummond here. And But you've got the Levine injury. 
and you're holding on for one of these these final playing spots here. But I think I think Atlanta's another team. You know, Dejounte Murray. Um, you know, but they played better basketball. But what's yeah. the ceiling for that roster? You know, they're they're still below 500 team, and and they're still in that nine to nine to ten hole. When you take a look at the Suns, there are some nights, and look, the big three's been together now for a stretch, I, th- I believe, since December 29th, and, and, and that's a good sign for Suns fans. There are nights when the team looks terrific. There are other nights when you, you look at them and you go, I don't know if that team can survive a playoff series against a good defensive team. I, I, from all your experience, and there's plenty of experience you can draw from, how, how close do the Suns look to, to being a championship-caliber basketball team to you? I think it's going to be a lot dependent on what the draw is going to be when we get to the playoffs here, and, and you know, with of course, health is going to matter. Now, if you're in the if you're in a three six and you get Denver in the first round, I would say it, you could be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, but there's some nights, you know, there's some nights, and, and they play you know better basketball. Like you, you know, you say like, hey. I'll take I'll take my chances with you know we're top heavy but I'll take my chances with Durant Booker and Beal any day of the week here but it's a matter of kind of just getting there as far as what your seed's going to be but when you look at the the West I take my chance against Oklahoma City who hasn't been in a first round uh, playoff with this group same with Minnesota who hasn't won a playoff series. Um, Clips are playing really well, but what are they going to be like in, in April here? So I, I would be – I don't want to see – I feel a lot better about this team than I did maybe a month and a half ago. Um, but I do think, you know, if you can add just one more wing um, that can defend, that, that, makes it, that makes a difference. It just kind of expands your rotation. Bobby, thanks so much for the time and the insight. We know you're really busy at this yeah, point, so we no really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. He was our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, coming up next, the comfort level of Bradley Beal has certainly been a topic of discussion lately. How comfortable is he? Could that uh, comfort and availability change? We'll get into that next. Bickley Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's Bernsey. The Suns came back home and reminded the home crowd of what they were missing in a win over Milwaukee. We react to all the key moments from 2 until 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, I mean, I don't think his confidence has changed at all. I, I think just his, uh, his finding his spots, you know, has, has really uh, come along. And I think getting his legs under him has, has come along. I don't, you know, when he was first trying to get back in, he's fighting a minutes restriction and playing with, you know, two other superstars. And, um, you know, it was just a lot of that with the early part of um, his return from his injury. And uh, I think he's just getting more and more comfortable each game. That is Frank Vogel, the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Bradley Beal getting more comfortable. Seems to be music to the ears of the uh, Phoenix Suns and their fan mm. base. Last night, 10 of 22, 25 points. 10 rebounds. Had a couple of big shots late. Three steals. Kind of iced the whole thing with a, a step back three. Didn't shoot the ball well uh, from three-point range for most of the game, but made his last two. Suns struggled at the free throw line. It was just one of those uh, yeah. weird anomaly type games. But kind of, yes. Bradley Beal is still dealing with an issue. He's still wearing the mask. He's still dealing with uh, the nose issue. And last night during the TNT broadcast, uh, Jared Greenberg, who's their sideline reporter for TNT, one of them, um, talked about you know this is uh, something with Bradley Beal's nose that is going to require some sort of procedure for correction. Um, at what point... We'll see 
but Jared Greenberg's explanation was it would be great if the procedure happened over the All-Star break where Beal could miss time during the break where there's not uh, there's he's not playing. He broke his nose back on January 26th, then re-injured it again on February 2nd. Didn't really miss too much time and was able to come back into both games. Kevin Durant called him an absolute soldier last night. So, uh, mm. you know, that's the timing of all of this is, is what's going to happen. I guess Beal said um, you know, he updated the situation on his nose himself after the game. Oh, uh, yeah, at some point I'll have to get a reset. I know it's probably looking at me straight. My nose is like a, probably like an S. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'll get a reset. It uh, Like my breathing is fine. It doesn't. That's not altered, which is probably like the biggest worry, and obviously the the bone um, being able to be movable um, post what two three weeks now. So the longer we wait, uh, it gets tougher to do that that, that procedure. So um, luckily we got All Star break coming up. I'll have to make a decision whether or not I'm doing a little bit of a little nose job or not. I'll wait till the off season. <laughs> Which, to hear him say that, I mean, the All-Star yeah. break seems to be coming at a very fortunate time for him if right? he wants to do this. But he mm-hmm. also said the longer you wait for this procedure, the harder it gets to do. Right. So to wait till the off-season, which let's hope the off-season doesn't begin until June for the Phoenix Suns. Oh, okay. So maybe well, maybe take care of it. A couple uh, things here. Yeah, listen, a couple things here um, about this. There's obviously danger when you are injured and opponents know where you're injured, especially mm-hmm. in basketball with flying elbows. So don't think that that gamesmanship isn't part of the risk that Bradley Beal is assuming every time he gets on the court, which is kind of why I said he needs, somebody needs to invent a Hellraiser kind of mask with inverted pins coming out of it so no one gets near that nose, right? <laughs> and mess with my and, face at your own risk. Yeah, somebody impales an eyeball or oh, a hand. Hey, so, hey, so- right, exactly. <laughs> it just hazards of the profession, man. Here's the other thing about Bradley Beal. Um, as much as we love Kevin Durant and Devin Booker for being uh, transcendent superstar basketball players, neither one uh, are, are exactly what you would call dripping with personality. Personality. Bradley Beal is, and, and Yusuf Nurkic are fast becoming the, my favorite personalities on this team. Yeah, there's certainly more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Color, life. Bubbly, bubbly colorful. Yeah. Vibe. Vibe. Nurkic seems like he's taking the role of, you know, the agitator. Yeah. Whether it's on the court or through social media. He kind of steps up in that role. Which is good. They need somebody to do that. Bradley Beal, he, to me, just looks like a guy who loves playing basketball. Now, yeah. there's, certain, there's certain things about it. I mean, there's there's times where, let's say it's a crucial possession. Mm-hmm. Opponents at the free throw line, they make the second free throw. Ball trickles away. Bradley Beal is very, very deliberate in getting that ball, allowing mm-hmm. the defense to set. There's little things like yeah, that, right? But other than that, I totally agree. No, with and you. and again, just the signs, the 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 fun stuff, like when when he had the homecoming in Washington, uh, and they went to a timeout, and he just stopped and he like looked up at the crowd and just smiled. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yep. And then he had a couple of two short gestures last night yeah. on successive baskets, sandwich, both sandwich against campaign. Yeah. Oh well, I know one was. Yeah, was the yeah. other one too? I. I I don't know. Okay. I, I only caught the yeah. one. One was against campaign. I'm not sure. The, uh, the other one, I think, was against Connaughton. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. But And that was sandwiched by a bowl bowl block. 
So it, it's this is this is something that I think is part of the evolution of this team, and it's it kind of speaks to that topic we like to hover around, and that is the connection this basketball team has with this community. And and I think I think it's I know it's getting better. Um, I, I don't think there's full on belief just yet, but I I I do think the team's trending in the right direction, and yeah. and I like Bradley Beal. I like what he's all about. The fact that he's willing to play through this tells me a lot. Bull, bull, block. Is that like duck, duck, goose? <laughs> no? <laughs> uh, on the Nurkic front, um, Devin Booker, Nurk had books back uh, on social media and the whole Charles Barkley thing and what, mm-hmm. what Charles said on our air and uh, the reaction to Charles Barkley not uh, giving the nod, the all-star nod to Devin Booker. But Booker uh, acknowledged Nurk is pretty much team guy first. I mean, he's just unselfish. You know, he, he's playing for us even in the pregame shooting. Like, he tries to get me hot then. Um, if I don't have a ball, he makes sure he throws it. So it's little things like that where, you know, he puts the team first. Um, and, you know, that, that gives you the confidence. He's the one setting the screens for you and, you know, passing those balls on time on target. Yeah, and uh, Bull Bull continues to contribute off the bench. He's reestablished himself after the injury, missed quite a bit of time with that foot injury, and that delayed or derailed his, his rotation minutes a little bit. He didn't The first game he was eligible to play, he didn't play, but he looks comfortable again. The crowd gets a charge out of Bull Bull. Kevin Durant says everybody loves playing with the guy. What I love about Bull is his, uh, he has a way higher IQ than what people think. Um, like you said, he passed us some shots that he could have shot, but he understand if we move the ball again, you might get it back on the other side. And he is not stepping outside of himself and doing things that he doesn't normally do. Uh, he's playing with energy. He's talking out there. Like, I love what he brings, man. I love his – I just love everything about Bo. And you could tell that everybody loves loves Bo and rooting for him. Even the crowd, every arena we go to, they rooting for Bo. Like you said, Doc said that he's rooting for him when he's not playing his team. So he, he's just a great soul, man. I like being around him. I like to see his growth as a player. His IQ is growing every single day for the game. And uh, we just want him to continue to build on this to a point where we expect him to do stuff like this even more every night. So – we're going to stay on him. He's going to, you know, Bo's the type of guy. He's going to come to work regardless, not say nothing, keep his head down and work every day. Um, but it, we're also going to keep it encouraging him, but also, you know, you know, continue to hold everybody accountable. That's what's going to make us a better team. Yeah, and he contributes. They they tinkered with a really mm. big lineup last night yeah. with Bowl as part of that. Uh-huh. And if he can continue to contribute, not just the energy, but he's also making, like, Pretty impactful plays out there. Mm-hmm. If he can continue to do that, he's a he's a matchup issue. Well, he is. Yes, he is, and and he's eliminated some of the goofy mistakes that he used to make by mm-hmm. trying to show off his skills, which are considerable. And, and I think that it, I think that's good. And and as you as you said earlier, whether it's whether it's deserve it or not, he is clearly a fan favorite, and there is clearly a spike in energy whenever he comes into uh-huh. games, and that's valuable to a basketball team. Team. And so, yeah, so it, 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 it's it's fascinating watching this rotation kind of form, if that's what's happening. There's Yeah, there's a bit of a magnetism with Bowl Bowl to the point where um, the NBA uh, employee that was sitting next to me last night, mm-hmm. she told me she's a Washington grad. 
And she said, he's the only Oregon duck she'll ever root for. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. That's magnetism. Mm-hmm. When you can cut through the Washington-Oregon rivalry, those two schools hate each other. Mm. But that uh, that means something. Bowl, bowl, and the rest of the Phoenix Suns back at it tomorrow night against the uh, Utah Jazz. And, you know, after talking to Bobby uh, Marks, I'm not sure that uh, the cast of characters is going to look any different tomorrow night after the trade deadline hits at 1 o'clock. We shall see. There are people, smart people, predicting that this is going to be one of the more dull trade deadlines, that Mm -hmm. nobody is going to do anything. So we'll find out. We will find out. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Uh, Coming up next, we will hit the 9 (laughs) o'clock. We'll hit the 9 o'clock hour with a throat lozenge and Sarah Gazelle taking us through some social studies. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader.